I want to talk to you this morning. I realize we're pushed a little bit, so I'm going to I'm going to not hold you up too long. I realize you have probably special assignments, but there's no any, nothing any more important than God's word and God's time of worship, and I know you realize that. And I appreciate you giving me a few minutes before we go. Although I feel like we praise the Lord already in so many ways. Uh, I want to talk to you about the subject today is the man from us. And I'm not talking about the Wizard of Oz, the man from us. This man was named Job and he lived in a place that was not Israel. He lived in a very pagan, idolatrous nation. And yet he took on the responsibility of serving God, of being a man that God called him. The whole book of Job is not really about what happened, it's about Job. And I pray that this message might be encouraging and challenging to each man in this room or each man listening and also to all the ladies that you have such a big part in helping us as men become the kind of men God would have us be. God has called us to know that the strength of our lives, of this world, of this nation is every man in his place. And uh, we saw that from Gideon's army, and we're going to see that in our life today. I am convinced that the reason this world is in such a mess and chaos, we don't know which end is up or which end is down, we're about as confused as a, as a termite and a wooden yo-yo. And the reason that is is because men are not been in their place. And I pray that God would inspire us to uh, be in our place. I wish you'd turn with me in the book of God to the book of Job. I'm going to read just five verses from the very first chapter. And we're going to use this to talk about this man for just a few minutes and ask God to help us. Would you please stand for the reading of God's word one more time with me, please? Here's what God says. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. And that man was perfect and upright and one that feared God and eschewed evil. And there were born unto him seven sons and three daughters. His substance also was 7,000 sheep and 3,000 camels and 500 yoke of oxen and 500 she-asses and a very great household, so that this man was the greatest of all the men of the east. And his sons went and feasted in their houses every one of his day and sent and called their, for their three sisters to eat and to drink with them. And it was so when the days of their feasting were gone about that Job sent and sanctified them and rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job continually. Thank you very much. Please be seated. So what we have here is the introduction to Job. And, and I'm sure all of you know what happened to this man but it's not so much what happens as what the man is. And that's what I want to talk about, this Father's Day. Because I think Job exemplifies fatherhood in so many ways. You see his concern for his children. I know that you're men just like me. If you have children or grandchildren, you pray for them every day. And I'm going to tell you the very first thing I pray for is that they might know the Lord as their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because I'm going to tell you that that needs to be pronounced in this world today. There's no greater need than to have the Word of God, to have God's Spirit in your life. That's the only way we can make it. 
Now this man was a great man. He had a perfect family, looks like, ideal family. He had lots of stuff. But he's about to lose it all. But another thing about this man that stands out even more, that he's an upright, blameless man. That's what perfect means. Doesn't mean he's never sinned. There's only one man that's never sinned, and that's na- his name is Jesus. Okay, But this man was blameless. And so he had integrity, has character. Why did he get that? Well, it says that because he feared God and he hated evil. I'm not sure. I believe if every man in this room or every man listening could say, look here, I need to fear God. I want to fear God because if you fear God, you're going to hate evil. Most of the world today does neither. Does neither. God is just kind of a happen chance. He'd be all right, you know, if it comes to, if I'm waiting on a report from my pathological lab from a cancer tumor removed, I might say a prayer. Or when something happens tragically, I might go to God and maybe go to church a time or two. But, but what we need to understand is you've got to hate sin. We don't hate sin because we kind of kind of got filtered in. A lot of parents support sin now in various ways. And I'm going to tell you, that is why we get in such a mess. And so Job was a man, though, that hated sin. He loved God so much that he hates sin. And you can't have both. You can't. You either love the world or you love God. They don't get along very well. And the thing that is so amazing about Job, he was not raised in a Christian home. He comes from a land of pagans. But this man and the antiquity of this book is relevant because he was a priest in his own household. He saw the need of sacrifice for his children. He said, you know what? I don't know this for sure, but just maybe my my children have sinned. Maybe they thought a sinful thought. And so he thinks about that and he says, I'm going to make them have a sacrifice. And he shows us that in this book. The whole deal is Job is a man that is concerned about his children, about his family, about his own life and how he lives. So I want to talk about that for a few minutes. Obviously we can't get all the book of Job in in 10 or 15 minutes, but I'm going to tell you, this man from us is an amazing man because God made him that way. Because he's about to lose everything. And you know what? We can lose everything too. But he's got the only thing he can't lose is his integrity. He can't lose his righteous uh, commitment to God. And you know what? That's his most important thing. You can't lose your faith. You might ebb and flow with it, but you won't lose it because God has given it to you. It's from God. And so somewhere along the line, God tracked this man, Job, and he used him and blessed him. And he's about to show us a great example. The thing about Job is that it's so amazing that you might think this is a, a measure of the prosperity gospel. Here's a man that did everything pretty good, and yet he had so much. But we find out that's not the truth. We find out that what happens to this man, he loses his children, he loses his possession, he loses his health, he loses everything. And, and, he, and his friends think he's done something wrong. But Job is, is, is looking for God, and Job is searching for God in all this. But he never doubts God. He never, he never questions the being of God in his life. So I want to I say three things and ask God to help us praise God from this man from us. And maybe we can take some of it in ourselves. I want to say three things. First of all, I want to say the three key words I want to use in the message 
then a few minutes I want to bring is one, I want you to see his sincerity. Job is sincere, number one. I want you to see also that Job uh, had an importance in sacrifice. Sacrifice means something to this man. And, and, then, and then thirdly, I want you to see subtraction. This man's how he reacts to subtraction. Your reaction to subtraction is really determines what kind of man you are. Now see, it's easy for a man to be a yes man, but it's hard to be a minus man. See, when God starts taking things away from us, then we're going to start looking for something else. We're going to start looking, hopefully, for God. Because if we don't look for God, we can be looking for a beer or alcohol or drugs or something to kind of ease the pain. Because you can be sure that God loves us enough, he's not going to leave us the way we are. He's just not going to pull us up and pile us up with blessings so we can get so prosperous that we're going to forget about him. See, we're not in this thing about life. If God has blessed you with lots of stuff, you've got to realize it comes from God. What Job is going to show us, here's a genuine believer. Here's a man that recognized that God is in control of everything we do. He knows every thought, every step we take. He knows if we have a lot, it comes from God. If we have nothing, it comes from God. If we, he takes it away, it's his anyway. So how are we going to deal with it? How are we going to deal with it? Most of us don't like criticism. Job didn't like it from his friends. But you know, we've got to be able to take it like a man. This man from us is going to show us what it means to really love God. So first thing I want to deal with is sincerity. Now I want to ask all you guys something. What is it about yourself that is most about your mind right now, on your mind? I want to ask you. I don't give a rip about what kind of religion you kind of profess. But I want to ask you this. What is on your mind when you stand before God, the maker? Because you're going to meet your maker one day. We got, we're going to do it. So what is on your mind? How are you going to, how are you going to account for your life? Now, I'm not talking about your sins because we're all sins and we're going to trust Jesus to take care of that. But, but, but what I'm talking about is your life. And, and how are you going to justify it? See, this was on Job's mind. The 31st chapter of Job is about God, Job professing his blameless perfection in life. In other words, the fact that I'm not living in unconfessed sin. My, my point is to you guys and to me is, have we confessed all our sins? Are we really being honest with God? Because that is amazing. Because here's the thing, when it comes to our time to die... We don't need to be over there shivering around some bed in hospice room wondering about some secret sin we committed. What we need to be open with God is, is confessing him. My point is we need to have a clear conscience. Is your conscience clear? That word sincere in the Bible, uh, in the Bible times, it means without wax. In those Bible times, they would build vessels and sometimes they'd have cracks and leaks with them. And the marketplace, the guys would sell them and they would fill them with wax and paint over them, see? But when the folks took them home and they heated them up or put substance in them, they'd leak. So what God is showing Job is, Job's a man without wax. He's going to be able to take the fires and the blemishes and the situations of life, the losses, the hurts and the disappointments. And he's going to still come away acknowledging God. Because if really you have God, you have everything. 
If you don't have God, you have nothing. You have no hope. It's about like an airplane with no wings or a train without tracks. I mean, that's how critically we need God. So I want you to see the sincerity that Job is, that he's taken his life sincerity and he's given his account to God. I mentioned you the 31st chapter. Let's whip over there just for a second. I won't stay there long. I plan to use this chapter tonight, really, to kind of get a little more extensive. But it's so amazing because here Job is dealing with uh, his life before God. And that's what men need to do. We got to deal with God. We got to, We can't please our friends or think we can, you know. See, Job. When I say sincere, it's kind of like saying what you see is what you get. Okay. I mean, he's a man that just opens us up. He's honest, and he says in verse thirty-one, he says, uh, verse one of chapter thirty-one, he says, "I made a covenant with mine eyes. Why then should I look upon a maid?" What he's saying is, "Look, I made a covenant. I'm not going to look at a woman." in an adulterous fornication way. Now, men, that, that's what it takes. If you're sincere, because you're going to have those feelings to look. Don't tell me you won't. But what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to make up your mind that you're going to be sincere with God, that you're going to make a covenant. You're not going to do that. And, and so then you, he says, For what portion of God is there from above, and what inheritance of the Almighty from on high? And then he does... In verse 4, he understands why. Doth not he see my ways and count all my steps? God knows all about our lives. So then we need to, it's important that we're blameless. Now, what Job didn't recognize and what I want to present to you theologically is he was embracing the doctrine of justification. Because what he says is, I'm blameless, and that means that justification, you see, is he's been declared righteous by God. Now, he hasn't received the New Testament yet. God's revealed this to him. If you believe Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, it's just as if you never sinned. We need to be sincere with God and understand there's no way we can put on with God and be a Christian and approach a holy God if there's even one sin in our heart. you understand that? Nothing. That's how holy God is. Now, we can crowd around like we want to say, well, you know, I'm just an old sinner. And that's what we are. But you just can't say, well, I, I'm just doing the best again. No, God requires you to be blameless. You need to have a clear conscience that Christ has died for your sins, past, present, and future. That's what justification is. And so Job is seeing that. Now, here's the struggle that we have, guys. We've got to practice that position. See, our position is just as if we never sinned, but our lives, hey, we still struggle with sin. I know I do. But here's the deal. See, God makes us holy first, and then he makes us happy. See, you can't be holy and be happy. If you're not holy, you won't be happy as a Christian. You can't. You're miserable. And you see, you need to cough those sins up and come to God, and he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. So that's what Job says. said, I made a covenant with my eyes. He says, I, I walked. I've walked with vanity, Lord. And then he goes on, my heart has been deceived. Uh, he says, I've helped my neighbor. He goes on, this whole chapter, again, is dealing with Joseph, uh, Job's sincerity of being an upright man. And we need to deal with that. 
It's not something like we holier than you are, but it's understanding what God has given us with his spirit and living out the inside of the Holy Spirit, making him manifest on the outside. See, Job wore his feelings on his sleeve. There were times he cried. There were times he wept. But I'm going to tell you, he rejoiced in his Savior. I want you to see his sincerity with all the blessings. And that's what God's called every man to do. God called Abraham. He's another one that come out of a pagan land. God said in Genesis 17, one says, walk before me and be thou perfect. He's talking about blameless. That's what he's saying. You know, be blamed. Be perfect. I mean, you know, that's how we need to be. And in Joshua chapter 24, verse 14 and 15, Joshua says, if you desire to serve the Lord sincerely, he says, you walk with God. How do we do that? We go by God's word. We live for God. Job balances his life, not because of his conscience was clear, not because of his conscience wasn't hurting about what he did. Hey, we're living in a world where you're conscious. Don't you let your conscience be your guide. Because most of our conscience is, is so seared by the world. I mean, we're calling sin good and good sin in the world today. I mean, so you can live any way you want. Don't bother me. Don't bother me. And it bothers God, okay? And so you're going to have to tell, talk with God about that. So my point is, how do you guys feel? What are you going to say before God? And we need to come to grips and say, Lord, I, I mean, if I've got a sin, I want to confess it. I don't want to go to death. I don't want to go to my deathbed. You know, I'm getting to the area in my life, age-wise. I don't want to owe anybody anything. I mean, I want to get my debts paid. I might die. I don't want to leave this world owing somebody to you. I don't. I mean, Job was blameless. I mean, that is freedom that we have in Christ. And what a blessing that is. What a joy that is. And so secondly, I want you to see the sacrifice. Job had a knowledge of the suffice of a sacrifice. See, Job saw that he was a sinner. He says, even though the book calls him blameless and perfect, he says in two places in Scripture in this very book, he's a sinner. It's not like Job has never committed a sin. But Job is a figure of Christ as far as justification goes. He is. And he's going to have a lot of things thrown on him, a lot of hurt and loss and disappointment, not because of some sin he committed, but because of God wanted to prove him sincere. What's God doing in your life? Is God proving you sincere by some of the trials and situations you live? You know, the trouble we have is the only thing in our life that's going to make us useful. You hear me? If you don't have any troubles, you probably won't be used a whole lot. What makes, we would not have this book of Job, this man from us. If it wasn't for all this trouble, this book would never have been written. We have no purpose. See, the vessels that are sincere, that are without wax, they're to hold things. Your life is for to hold something. And lots of times it's to hold a lot of problems. Sometimes the Lord stretches our heart with problems and situations so that we can hold more blessings. And so we see that in our life. But I want you to see the sacrifice that he says. Job knew that an animal had to be sacrificed to appease a holy God. So what did he do to his children? He said, look here. I know you've been feasting and been having these parties, and these weren't wild, drunken parties. I think it was just family gatherings, just wholesome family gatherings. But I'm going to tell you, the heart is so prone to sin. 
We are so desperately wicked by nature. And we just will admit that. But see, God has provided a remedy through a sacrifice. It's all pointing to Jesus. So what Job would do is, is every off, so often he would call his descent, children one by one, and he would take an animal, and the Bible says he offered a burnt offering. A burnt offering was the most expensive offering because an animal was burned literally, slaughtered. And he wanted that child to see that and say, look here, that is what would happen to you and me if it wasn't for that sacrifice, that animal. It's going to be the animal or you and me. Now, you and I don't have to do that in the world today. We don't have to come in the church holding the animal. But you know what? I'm not sure it might do us good sometimes to see a personal holocaust, of knowing what a sacrifice is, of knowing the, 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 the dramatic uh, horror, what happened to that animal. I mean, we'd call that animal cruelty in the world today, and that's what it would be. But I'm going to tell you, that's what Jesus did on the Christ for us. Job said, I want you to know what a sacrifice is. Guys, we need to teach our children what sacrifice is. And I'm not talking about just, you know, working or giving or helping. No, I'm talking about coming to church. I'm talking about realizing that Jesus Christ took our place on the cross. And this sacrifice is important. It's not only important, it is urgent. What's urgent in the world today is we're living in a place where we don't have any, everything's given to us. But we've got to understand that we're saved by God's grace, but it's not free. It comes with the expensive price of the blood of Christ because the Bible says, hey, we're not bought with silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Jesus. So we need to see that sacrifice. We need to see what it takes to make us holy. And that's what God did for you and me. And God wants us to remember that and bless him in it in that way. But you know what? Job knew that that sacrifice brings hope. See, because when I think about my sins, without a sacrifice, I will go to hell. And my friends, hell is a real place. People go to hell every day if they live there eternally. And the only reason we don't go to hell is because Jesus Christ died on the cross for us. Now, if you think that needs to be just slobbed over and just go around, I can play my games and deal with my daily daily, all I want to, you won't be able to get there. You won't. We need to see the, the sincerity of a life lived. Just like the apostle said, he, I'll live for him because he died for me. Now, we can play every other game we want to play if we want to but we ought to see the sincerity of Job because you don't know how long you have anything. You don't. But Job knew so much about God and yet he had so little access to things. You know, I wanted to read you a verse from Job 19. This is what it said. This is what Job knew. In verse 25 he says in chapter 19, For I know that my Redeemer liveth. How did he know that? He didn't have a book. How did he know it? God revealed it. He says, I know that my Redeemer liveth and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. He's talking about the second coming of Christ. 
And though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God, whom I shall see for myself, and mine eyes shall behold, and not another, though my reins be consumed with me. Job, because of the sacrifice, there's hope. It's not in what he does. His prayer would be nothing without the sacrifice. That's what makes us worthy to come to the cross, uh, uh, to find uh, in prayer, to come to Jesus in time of trouble and need. We come boldly, don't we, to the altar. Why do we do that? Because of a sacrifice. Don't ever forget that. That's what God did for us. But Job is seeing the resurrection. Job said, look, we're going to see his loss in a minute. But he says, my children are out there in that cemetery, but they're going to live again. He says that right here. You know, I got, Penny and I have a little son over at Upper Black Creek Cemetery. We go there sometimes to visit the cemetery. And I think about that. Right there in that little baby. Right there in that little boy's tomb. You know what? I see a place there for me, not far away. Same plot. It won't be long, I'm going to be there too. But you know what? God is going to raise us up. Job knew that his children were there. I don't understand how he's going to do it, but he's going to do it. I plant seed in my garden. I see farmers planting seed, and they bury them, and they look like the graveyard dead. But you know what? They come out. I don't understand it, but it's going to happen. I see trees in the fall of the year shed every one of their leaves. I mean, it's just bare out there in the woods. And it's not long before I see buds. I don't know what, I don't know how it comes about, but I believe it. It's going to happen. That's what Job is saying. Job says about sacrifice because death is where life comes from. And we need to see that and bless God in that in our ways. So we see the sacrifice and Job said, sees it. Now, the subtraction is my last point. And really, the thing I want to challenge us guys to do is, do you believe in God? You believe in God? Everybody says, oh, I believe in God. You might not believe in God. You might not even know God. <laughs> you might just think you're religious. But I'm going to tell you, when you see a man from us, and he comes and understands that everything is taken away from me, and yet I have done nothing, God, to deserve this, but I have nothing, God, I have nothing but you. The question is, not only do we believe in God, do we love God with all our mind, our heart, and soul, and strength? Do we trust God with all we have? Do we understand that he is sovereign and that all things come through him? And he's working everything out for our good. You know, I've noticed in my life, in the woods, that the only way you can actually measure a tree is to when you cut it down. You can estimate but you won't really know what that tree, how big it is, or what it's got in it till you cut it down. And that's how a man's life is. This man's life, us, he was cut down. And so may the Lord help us to see the blessings of being sincere. That means that we're consecrated. That means that we're understanding that by the blood of Christ, he's made us blameless. And that's what we're predestined to do, according to Ephesians 1.4, that we're made 
holy and blameless in him before the foundation of the world. Isn't that a blessing? So you know what, we guys, you know, we have these ideas, we've got to have a pity party or some man cave to get into, but I'm going to tell you what, you know, uh, you hang your head down if you want to, but you're blaming yourself. If you're a child of God, you're blameless. You're just blameless, okay? Once Abraham used, not because of some sin, I mean, God does chasten us, that's true, but, but I want you to see Job. So we see the merit of sincerity, the urgency of sacrifice. We need to see the blood and the guts of true worshiping God, of knowing what Jesus did on the cross of Calvary, of knowing that it's all not sugar-coated candy, of knowing that when we really come to the final grips, what's going to matter is the blood of Christ that was shed for us. And then when we get to the subtraction, God starts taking things away. If you're like me, guys, get my ideas, a lot of things you can't do that you used to do. How are you going to react to that? You can take some of this ageless male stuff if you want to. That stuff isn't worth fool, fooling with. I mean, you know what? We're going to die. We need to come to God. We need to understand that, that to be a man is to be God. It's not how much weight you can bench press or how many reps you can do or how much you got, because we see all this is taken away. What matters when it all smelts is God. And coming before him in sincerity, in sacrifice, in a sacrificial spirit, and understanding of God, it's all yours. Now we know the story of Job. He was added. God blessed him. God blessed him in so many ways. James says, have you seen or noticed the patience of Job? You want patience, it's going to come through trouble, tribulation, work its patience. Patience, experience, and experience hope. The trials and struggles and the losses we have is making us better men. That's what it's about. May we praise and rejoice in God for it all. Would you bow with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for loving us and for giving us your Holy Spirit. We pray, Lord, that we can handle it. We pray, Lord, that we don't fake it. We pray, Lord, that we would be sincere because we know in the end you really know our hearts. We can fool our wives sometimes, our children, but we can't fool you. And so, Lord, we come to you as broken, failing sinners, knowing that you've given us your spirit and you have made us perfectly blameless. Help us, Lord, to practice this wonderful, gracious position that you've given us in Christ. And if it takes subtracting something from our lives, we pray, oh God, that you take it all away. For we know that your sacrifice was the ultimate subtraction. For you gave your only begotten Son just so we could be holy and blameless and sincere and live for you eternally. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Help us to be better men of God. Help us to be better fathers. For we have such a model father, such a savior who sacrificed his all for us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.